Mufflins, coming live to you from the laundry room, episode 27 of the podcast Oddly Adulting. And uh, I have a couple of random tidbits that I'm going to tell you right off the bat, and then I'm going to do a make good, and then I'm going to jump right in to what I want to talk about tonight. So I'm live from the laundry room, which ha- smells like wet dog, I would like to point out, because my dog is kind of a jerk. And when she gets left in the laundry room when we're not at home, um, I always put her food and water bowl in here. And every single time, she drags the blanket out of her crate and um, pushes it into the water bowl <laughs> to show how mad she is. Like, it doesn't make sense to me why she would destroy her water source to show me that she's mad. But anyway, I was gone this weekend, and whomever was in charge of putting her in and out of the laundry room did not discover that all of her bedding was wet from from her doing her wet blanket punishment um, technique. So, uh, wish I had discovered that before I sat down and started recording, but I'm just going to have to deal with it. So I was out of town this weekend because I took my oldest daughter to um, visit her friends whose uh, church was putting on a youth weekend. Um, Their dad is on staff at the church and they were um, a host home for the girl group, the group of tweens and teen girls. And so um, it's a three hour drive to get there. So when my daughter was invited, I was like, yeah, that'd be great. You know, um, Cause like you can see your besties and like, I can see my bestie. So I'll just come for the weekend. And I totally expected her to be like, eh, no, I don't want you to come. Ugh. And she was like, I mean, yeah, like you could, I mean, if you wanted to, you know, you could come if you wanted to, but like, whatever. So I was like, Hey, I will take it. I'll take what I can get. Sounds like you want me to come. So I'm going to come. So we spent the weekend there all weekend and If my voice cracks or sounds a little froggy at some point, it's because I alternated between um, singing along really loud in the car on the way there because I like to sing along in the car. So I arrived with a sore throat, which was not the best idea on my part. But um, between that, between talking over loud noises, and then after we went to, like, the kids had to have lights out at midnight, but then, of course, like me and my best friend were still wired from being awake all day. And so we're laying there like having our own little sleepover talking, but her, um, almost two year old is, is in the, in the room with us. Um, and so we're like whispering, whispering, but having to whisper really loud to hear each other over the sound machine, but not so loud that we would wake the baby up. So anyway, my voice is a little rough today, but you know what? It was a little rough last time and we just powered on through anyway. So I, um, have a make good, which is hilarious that I want to tell you guys about. So in my last episode, I introduced y'all to two new producers, um, who have sent money to help keep the lights on at the podcast. And so one of them, I said, you know, I hadn't heard back from her yet. I wasn't sure whether or not she wanted to have her name on the air or not. And so like basically right after I finished recording, I heard back from her. And so here is the full story. So this is producer Carrie. Carrie and I go way back. We used to be neighbors. And Carrie was actually one of the first people who inspired me to consider homeschooling because she, um, 
and another neighbor of ours at the time, of course, all three of us have now moved. So not we're none of us are neighbors anymore. We're spread like far and wide. But um, she and another neighbor were both homeschooling and um, Carrie and I shared a cul-de-sac. And so um, we were just like right across the way from each other. And I was always so curious about, you know, how do they do it? What is it like? What is their day like? How do they find curriculum? Blah, 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 blah. And so I had these two amazing, basically built in um, resources. And so I spent like a full five years picking their brains basically. And Carrie has given me some of the best and most solid advice, like just in general, but about homeschooling and just really solid sage wisdom. Like I can remember her telling me basically, you know, I had picked something and it didn't seem to be working with my oldest daughter. And she was like, you know what? Like just, just, just quit and find something else. Like that's, that's the beauty of being the boss. Like you, if it's not working, do something else. You don't have to finish a whole year of it if you don't like it or if your child doesn't like it or whatever. So, um, and she is an incredibly like on, on the, in the range of homeschooling parents, she is one of the ones that like I hold in very, very high regard. So anything that she tells me, I'm like, okay, this is the gospel truth. Somebody stitched that on a pillow. So, um, I love the fact that Carrie listens to my podcast. Carrie also has a blog and I, I read her blog and she listens to my podcast and it's really fun that we have these like creative outlets as old crusty moms. But, um, so Carrie sent me on Friday, January 24th, which I bet if I go back into my email and I search for some PayPal emails, I bet you all find out that PayPal sent me an email the same day. And all it was, was it was, she said for future reference. And then it was a screenshot of her order at Starbucks, which was a ham and cheese croissant, a tall smoked butterscotch latte, and two vanilla bean scones. And it was for $11 and two cents. So when she sent it to me, (laughs) this is the part that's funny. (laughs) When she sent it to me, I looked at it and I thought, this looks like the kind of text that you would send your husband so that he knows what your order is at Starbucks. (laughs) Like, so that if he ever gets the idea to like do something nice for you and go and get you a treat, like he knows exactly what to get you. So, um, I just thought she said it to me, you know, in error and I saw it and I thought, I wonder if she meant to send that to me. And then, you know, immediately something distracted me. And so I just kind of like moved on, didn't think about it again. And so it did not ring a bell when, um, I saw the donation for 1102. Um, and then I even like shouted, you know, shouted out on the podcast. I said like, Hey, what's, what's 1102 about? (laughs) So, so later after that, I got another text from her and she said, okay, this is for retroactive reference now. And she had screenshotted on the oddly adulting website where I have the little blurb on the donate page, which for everyone's benefit, I'm just going to read. And then I'll tell you which part she highlighted. Did you like the podcast? Was it worth something to you? I'd be more than grateful to be on the receiving end of whatever value it added to your life. For example, maybe it was about equal to getting a cup of coffee with a friend or 
Maybe it was as good as the last great meal you had. <laughs> Whatever the worth you could ascribe to it, follow the link below to PayPal if you desire to show me and the podcast some monetarily quali- quantified love. So there, there you have it, y'all. Eleven oh two from producer Carrie, which is the exact amount that it costs to get a great meal and a cup of coffee um, to order at Starbucks. And did y'all know that they make a smoked butterscotch latte? I didn't, but now I do. And now I'm definitely not going to try it because butterscotch is gross. But I'm going to ask them... Um, if like, can anything be smoked? Can I get like smoked vanilla? Can I get smoked, um, caramel, smoked coconut? I don't know. I'm going to find out what the smoked situation is at Starbucks. Okay. So that's my make good. I did not want poor anonymous Carrie to linger in the, um, in the void for any longer than necessary. So thank you again, Carrie, for the 1102. And for the potential um, future drinks that that might inspire from some of our listeners, our fellow listeners and producers. And so that brings me to, um, I was going to give you all a funny little anecdote. So my husband asked me something. I was asking him about something about the podcast. One of my um, producers noticed that if you go into the podcast apps and you scroll, you can only get back a certain number of episodes. It won't take you all the way back. Like all the way back to one is not coming up in the podcast apps. And so I was asking him to do some sort of like, you know, admin. I was like, Hey, admin producer guy, like, can you fix this? And so we were joking about it and he asked me, you know, have you had any updates lately or have, or sorry, not updates. Have you had any, um, donations lately. And I was like, yeah, I did. You know, I got two people, two people donated for the last, um, I talked to, talked about it in the last show. Obviously he doesn't listen to my podcast or he would know that, but it's fine. (laughs) Um, but somehow we got on this joke where he was like, he was like, you're going to have to really start, um, you know, like, a uh, uh, what is the word that he used? Um, imploring maybe or entreating. He's like, you're going to have to get more creative. You know, like if you want people to feel sorry for you and send you money, you need to like get more creative. And I was like, well, I don't, I don't want people to feel sorry for me and send me money. But like, if I did, that would be really easy. I said, all I would do is just tell them that you force me to eat at Shoney's instead of, (laughs) instead of restaurants where people actually want to eat or that you make me drink Shoney's coffee instead of Starbucks coffee or something like that. So we had this funny little joke going. So that makes it even funnier that, um, or not funny, but I guess coincidental that Carrie's donation did actually amount to a great meal and a cup of coffee, not from Shoney's. So that brings me to what I want to talk about tonight. And y'all, Get ready because this is a scintillating topic, okay? You will be mystified by how amazed um, and enthralled I am by this particular topic because um, I don't think many people are. (laughs) I think I'm in a very, very specific niche group of people who find this utterly fascinating and thrilling. And that topic is none other than meal planning. Oh yeah, we're going there. So, um, it's especially like, it's, it's extremely fresh on my mind because I came home from being out of town for the weekend. And normally, you know, as I'm getting ready for the week, I'm looking in the fridge and looking in the pantry and 
thinking about, you know, okay, how am I doing on groceries? What's my, what are my meals coming up this week that I need to make and all this kind of stuff. And so I know that I have told y'all about the fact that I wrote a meal planning book. I wrote it under a pseudonym, Lindsay Mack. Yeah, I got a pen name. What, what? Anyway, I wrote it under a pseudonym. It is available from the Kindle store. Um, it's, you can only get it in, in the Kindle version, but if you don't have a Kindle, you can read it on, um, Amazon's free cloud reader, which you, there's an app for it, or I believe I'm fairly sure you can just make a purchase in, um, Amazon and click read now and it will open up the cloud reader or load it onto your device or whatever. But you don't have to have a Kindle to read it, even though that is the format. It is the Kindle format and it's, it's a book that I wrote, um, can't remember how many years ago, maybe three, three or four years ago. And it's called Putting Dinner on the Table. And it's by me, Lens, aka Lindsay Mack. Lindsay Mack is not my name. Um, all right. So after I, or no, not after, before I wrote this book, this is a little bit of background. Okay. Before I wrote this book, I was involved with, um, Y'all have met Jess, my introverted best friend. My other best friend is my uh, friend that I was with this past weekend, Karen. She has, um, she's the large mom best friend. She has eight kids. So Jess, though, you have heard on the podcast. And she um, and I met when we were both pregnant with our oldest daughters. So we've known each other like 12 years now. And she was the one that got me into CrossFit. When I turned 30, had a little midlife crisis, little, not even midlife, like a third, third life crisis. Um, and I did CrossFit, not very well, but I did do it. And she was at the time she was getting certified to do CrossFit, um, coach CrossFit. And she was also getting certified and I'm, I don't even know what it, what designation is, but she was getting some sort of nutrition certificate or designation or something like that. And so she was big into nutrition. She was big into CrossFit and I was stay at home momming and I had been stay at home momming for a couple years. And so I had really gotten this meal planning method down to a T that was working for me. And she and I were talking one day and we got the bright idea that the two of us together should put on seminars to help people eat healthier and on a budget. And so she had the nutritional stuff down, like doing your, you know, what do they call it? Um, like macros, counting your macros. Like, are you eating enough carbs versus protein versus fats, all that kind of stuff. And then I had the budget thing going where I had come up with this method. Here comes the train. I had come up with this method, um, for grocery shopping that helped us stay on a budget, blah, 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 blah. So Before I even wrote the book, I actually wrote an outline for this seminar. And we put the seminar on a couple of times. I have lost track of how many times. Um, It was just a handful. It wasn't something that we did for like a couple years or anything. But um, but when from whence the seminar came the book, because I pretty much took the outline that I used for the seminar and I turned it into the book. And so the book, I'm going to give you... um, I have to keep you incentivized to read the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't just tell you everything that's in the book. That would be cheating. That would be like Cliff's Notes. So 
I'm not going to give you the cliff notes, but I am going to kind of give you the outline and I'm going to delve into a couple of the areas a little bit um, in more depth because of just like how much I freaking love meal planning and it's just really fun for me to talk about. So that's completely embarrassing and nerdy, but whatever. It's who I am. So I'm going to start with a confession. Okay. My name is Lynn's. And I have not been to the grocery store in 14 days. Literally have not been to the grocery store in 14 days. I looked it up before I started podcasting tonight. I looked up on my bank app when the last time I went to the grocery store was, and it was February 3rd. Today's February 17th. By the way, it's my mom's birthday. Happy birthday, mom. So 14 days. How is it possible? How can you go 14 days without going to the grocery store lens. How's that even possible? Don't you guys like to eat fresh food and stuff? Yep, I sure do. I surely do. But you know what? As more than I like to eat fresh food is how much I hate going to the grocery store. My hate way outweighs my desire to constantly be at the store buying food. So that is where, well, besides that and budgeting, that is where my, um, plan came from. Okay. When I started staying home, um, a long time ago, I guess it's been 10, 10 years. Let me think the last year I was teaching was the 2008, 2009 school year. Okay. So we're into year 11 of me being a stay at home mom. The reason I got into it was because, um, I just really hated going to the grocery store with kids because let's climb in our time machine. Okay. And let's go back in time and let's remember the days before click list, Walmart pickup, Instacart, Amazon. Uh, what's the one that's like Amazon, get it right now. Amazon now, <laughs> Amazon urgent. I don't know. We don't have that in my area cause I'm a little too rural for that. In fact, we just got Instacart. Like last week, I got an email about Instacart. Um, so back in the day, a decade ago, if we needed food, I actually had to go to the store and get it. And if I didn't want us to spend our weekend as a family at the store, I was going to have to suck it up buttercup and take two kids with me to the grocery store. So yes, I hate, I hated it. Really, really hated it. So I came up with this idea, you know, that I was going to start meal planning and I was going to grocery shop as little as possible. So, and then budget wise, when I started staying home, we went from a two income family to a one income family. And my income was, my job was because it was a government job. So it had good benefits. My job carried all of our good benefits. So it was almost like we took another like pay cut in the benefits area. So we were really, really living on a shoestring. Also in the two years that I worked while I was pregnant, like after I had my first baby and while I was pregnant with the second baby, we were able to get completely out of debt using the, the Dave Ramsey, um, system. And so, uh, that helped us be able to, once we got, once I started staying home, then we were able to live on just one income. But food budget was extremely tight for many, many, many years. Thankfully, now we don't have to live on that tight of a budget. Also, we're not debt free anymore, but oh well. <laughs> so 
<laughs> Such is life. So uh, this came from plan ahead so that I can minimize going to the store, really, out of survival. And how, like how, Lens, how little do you want to go to the store? Well, you know, truthfully, I only want to have to grocery shop like twice a month. That's my ultimate goal is to have two days a month where I'm grocery shopping. Now, thankfully, with the inception of things like ClickList and Instacart and Walmart Pickup, I can even, I can make it even easier and only have to enter a store one time. And then the other, cause I, sh- I grocery shop between two different places and I'll explain all that in a minute. Um, I don't even have to go in the store necessarily for the second round of shopping. So things have just, in the last 10 years, things have just gotten easier. That's what I'll say. But here was the thing. Okay. The concept was simple. I was just going, I, I came up with a, a method to, excuse me, hold on. <coughs> to plan ahead for a month of meals. Why did I want to do a month of meals? Because I wanted to minimize trips to the store and minimizing trips to the store typically will save you some money. But more importantly for me anyway, it would limit the number of times I would go through the whole, Oh, I hate going to the store, but we have nothing to eat cycle. Okay. Um, and I can only speak for myself and maybe like one or two other people who have given me really rave reviews that are memorable from reading my book. Um, I have one really devoted fangirl. She is so awesome. She loves it so much. And she will just occasionally like randomly Facebook message me and tell me how grateful she is. So that I love it. That makes my life on the days that happens. Um, but for me personally, meal planning has, has been this, the thing that has in the, in the most impactful way, eliminated stress in my life. So that's why I get so excited about it because for me, it makes my life so much easier. And I just think I want everyone to feel as much joy as I feel when I meal plan. Um, but not everybody, not everybody gets super joyful about it. And, um, people get like really worried because they say, but, 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 or, you know, like, what about this? Or what about this? Or what about this? So there's very specifically, I have discovered that there are a, a real short list of like myths and excuses or pitfalls, I guess, of, uh, that people that immediately come to mind when you tell someone, oh yeah, I do, I do meal planning, you know, and I, I plan once for an entire month and I only go to the grocery store. I only shop two days a month you know, and we eat for a whole month and people are like, wait a minute, this can't be possible. And so like the first, um, besides people just dismissing it as being something that like only super, you know, homeschooly, like stay at home moms who wear mom jeans can do. Um, there's some other very specific myths and, and excuses and pitfalls that people will bring up. So Like the first myth would be just that if you do monthly meal planning, you must have to eat a bunch of processed stuff. Like there's no possible way to keep, um, you know, enough ingredients on hand that you can make healthy stuff. And to that, I just say, you know, that's false because while, I mean, you can eat a bunch of processed stuff, just go ahead and like buy 22 boxes of hamburger helper if you want to. Um, but I just plan meals that use ingredients and then I have collected a whole bunch of, um, 
storage tips and tricks that can extend the life of all of my ingredients, fresh or otherwise. And I'll talk about that in a little bit um, because that's like sciency and fun. So um, the next myth is that usually people are like, well, I just don't have space to store a month's worth of food. And to that, I would also say, you know, that's just false. Like the house that we lived in when I came up with this plan didn't even have a pantry. So I had to repurpose one of the um, upper set of ca- of cupboards of cabinets in our kitchen to be like a mini pantry. And then I carved out some space in another room of the house to be another pantry. So, you know, you'll have to get, you might have to get creative, but you definitely can find a place to put the food that you would need to have on hand in order to plan for meals like this. Um, another excuse would just be like, I don't have time to cook. And to that, I just summarily say like, that's just false. What you really don't have time for is waiting until 4 PM to decide what you can make for dinner based on what you have in, in the pantry. Right? Like, you cannot look at, like, no one will be successful. Not me, not anyone. You cannot open the pantry. Well, I don't know. I take that back. Maybe, like, Rachel Ray or, I don't know, <laughs> Bobby Flay, whatever. Insert name of, not somebody like Jada or, what is that? Um, what is that other? Oh, the Contessa. The Barefoot Contessa. I cannot stand her show. I cannot stand the way she talks about her husband. Like, woman. We know. Okay. We know. We know you're cooking for your husband. Like you don't have to say it 10 times every episode. It drives me nuts. Okay. But anyway, um, unless you're one of those people, you are not going to be successfully able to magically summon a meal. You know, unless you're Molly Weasley, you're not going to be able to open your pantry and magically summon a meal out of whatever's in there unless you have made some planning. So Planning takes care of like 90% of the time issue as it relates to cooking. And the other 10% is really just like, just do it. Just go in the kitchen and do it. Just get it over with. Um, And then people on the same subject of time, a lot of times people say, well, I just don't, I don't have time. I don't have time to plan for a month's worth of meals. That's crazy. That's too much. And I'll say, I mean, okay, the first month or two or three, if you're slow or four, whatever, The first several times that you do it, yeah, okay, it will take you two or three hours of planning um, because you're just not in the, you know, you're not in the groove. But once you hit your stride and you start realizing, like, especially once you see the value behind meal planning, it it will go so much faster because you'll be really motivated. It won't feel like a chore so much as like a, to me, it just feels like a life hack, not like a chore. Um, Another excuse would be, Like if someone says, well, I'm not a good cook or I don't like to cook. And I say, okay, so what? (laughs) Like your people still have to eat, right? So the more you cook, the better you'll improve. You might even start liking it. But even if you don't, like your people still have to eat. So, you know, make whatever meals you're willing to make. There's no rules here. Like you don't have to make fancy meals. Just make, make, just make something. Just plan ahead. That's the point. And then there's two little pitfalls that would come into it since this is a really, I get, I get really detailed and I make sure that I add every single ingredient I'm going to need when I make my list. So I check and double check that. Do I have every spice I need? Do I have every seasoning packet? Does this bottle of olive oil have enough olive oil to last me the rest of this month? 
et cetera, et cetera. And so that's one of the pitfalls is like, if you're not willing to commit to the being detailed about it, like you probably won't have as much success. So I'll put that out there kind of as a warning. Like you do have to be detailed and meticulous to a degree. Um, and then the last one I would say would be like, people say, like I sort of mentioned already, thinking that when you're meal planning, that that means that like every meal has to be fancy. And that is absolutely not the case. Like I probably only make one quote unquote complicated meal per week. And that would be a meal that would take like more than an hour start to finish. Everything else that I make is spread between crock pot, instant pot, casseroles. Although we don't actually, we don't need that many casseroles anymore because one of my kids can't have dairy right now. So we don't need a lot of casseroles because there's no such thing as a casserole that's good without cheese. Am I right? Um, but I make a lot of stuff that's like just quick. Um, I have discovered the best recipe for sheet pan chicken fajitas. I will put a link in the show notes to this recipe. That's how good it is. You put, you make them on, you bake them, you bake them in the oven, you bake them at a really high temp. So the vegetables get tender, but a little bit like charred and crispy. And then the chicken gets cooked fully through and you do it all on one sheet and you put foil down first so that when you're done, you just wad it up, throw it in the trash. It is so easy and it's so delicious. Um, So that's the type of stuff. Those are the types of meals that I fall back on. Like I want it to be under an hour, start to finish. A lot of the times I can put a meal on the table even in 30 minutes. It's just all about balance, okay? Even though my husband would completely prefer to have a meat and three every single night, um, that's not happening, right? So let's go and talk a little bit about what is the strategy, okay? Because some of you, I know that some of you are like me. And you want to just get to the end of it, right? You just want to like, just tell me how to do it. Just tell me how to do it. Okay. So I'm not going to tell you in any huge amount of detail. I'm not going to like read you straight from the book, but basically here is the, here's the basic strategy. Okay. So I plan for an entire meal. I'm meal. Good grief. Yes. I do plan for an entire meal. No, that's not what I was trying to say. I plan for an entire month. That means that before the beginning of the month, so like when I'm getting to the end of the prior month, I will get a piece of paper out and this is exactly how I do it. Okay. Remember I'm a former teacher. So I take a piece of paper, piece of computer paper, and I fold it hamburger style. If you don't know what hamburger is, go ask a child under the age of 12. They can tell you what hamburger fold is, but basically it's folding the paper the short way so that you get two more compact rectangles. Okay. Not the long way. We're not trying to make it tall and skinny. We're trying to make it short and a little more square. Okay. Take the paper, fold it hamburger style. On one side, I write menu, like whatever month it is. Okay. February menu. And then with my paper in my hand, or if I'm like really on top of it, truthfully, now that I've been doing it for so many years, I always have my piece of paper. I do not ever lose this thing. Okay. It's just something I've been really good at keeping up with. I take my piece of paper that I've been working on from the last month and I flip it over to the menu section. And every time I make a meal, I cross it out. So I can look at this thing really fast. Now that I'm super in the swing of it, I can look at it and go, oh, I haven't made 
these two meals yet. So I can just go ahead and push them over to the next month. So I'll write those first two meals down. But if you're getting started, we'll pretend like we're doing it from the, from the beginner way. I'll take my piece of paper, my blank menu, take it with my pen and physically walk to the pantry and see, okay, well, what do I have? All right. Well, it looks like I have the stuff over here, you know, some of the stuff to make chili. Okay. So, all right, I'll make chili. So then I write chili down on the menu and then I take, I immediately write then. This is the part where you have to be a little meticulous and detailed. Otherwise you're going to find yourself leaving stuff out. I immediately flip the paper over and on the other side, I put shopping trip number one. And then I immediately write down any of the missing ingredients for that chili meal. So if I already have two cans of tomatoes, two cans of beans, and a jar of salsa, and what I'm lacking is a packet of seasoning, an onion, and a pound of ground beef, I write down chili seasoning, onion, pound of ground beef. Boom. Now, on paper, that entire meal is accounted for because I know I have the stuff in the pantry and then I'm going to get the stuff I'm missing. Boom. We have chili planned. Okay, cool. We have chili planned. And that's basically what I do is I go and I look in my freezer. I look in my fridge. I look in my pantries and I shop. I call it shopping the pantry. So I shop my pantry and I figure out what do I already have on hand and I start my first several meals that I write down are meals that are going to be made from what I just shopped my pantry for. And this helps eliminate a lot of food waste as well, because if you're constantly looking in your pantry and planning meals around what is in there, you will not end up with a can of beans that is expired for two years because you will have used everything in there. It will all be going in and out on a very rotating basis. Okay. So even though I do stockpile food because I am a Costco shopper, so there's like no way to avoid stockpiling when you shop Costco, I don't stockpile things in that. I don't let a can of something sit in my pantry. It gets planned into the next month's meals if there's something still there. Okay. So I shop my pantry I plan my meals. By planning my meals, what I mean by that is I write down the name of the meal on the menu side, and then I immediately write down all the ingredients I need that I don't already have on hand. This is when you check and make sure you have all your spices, you know, and all that other stuff. Okay. This does not mean that I am planning a ton of any one type of meal. Some of them require a lot of fresh ingredients. Some I can do with all non-perishables. I do a couple of crock pot meals. I have um, a couple of meals that I do in the instant pot. I try and come up with a nice varied menu, especially having some things on there that are super easy. Things like I'll write down breakfast for dinner and then I'll go look in the um, freezer and I'll see, okay, how much bacon do I have in here? If I'm low on bacon, I'll just put bacon on my list. Now I know I need to buy more bacon. So I have plenty of bacon in the freezer for stuff for breakfast and for dinners. If I have planned a dinner, like breakfast for dinner or like sometimes for breakfast for dinner, we'll do pancakes. Okay. I'll go look and see, do I have flour? Do I have baking soda, baking powder, sugar, all that? Or do I have pancake mix? Okay, good. So the way that I figure out how many meals I need to plan per month is by looking at my monthly calendar And 
seeing if I have anything already set. Like if we have, you know, if it's somebody's birthday, okay, we're probably going to be going out to eat. Or if we have any events, you know, like, okay, we're going to a wedding one weekend. All right. So we won't be home for those meals, um, et cetera, et cetera. And I guesstimate, I don't need, if, if the, if the month has 30 days, you're not going to plan 30 meals because you're not going to cook a homemade meal every single night of the month, no matter what month it is, no matter who you are, no matter how Mrs. Duggar you are, you're not going to do that because eventually you're going to eat out. Or you're going to have leftovers. So you don't, you don't want to plan 30 meals. You'll never get around to 30 meals. So I usually plan 20 to 22 meals, depending on what my calendar looks like. If my calendar looks pretty busy, I might do even less. I might do 18 to 20 meals. If my calendar looks really like empty, then I'll do full 22 meals. And then sometimes I just get lucky and I have stuff left over. And then that just makes the next month of planning even easier. Okay, so I shop the pantry. I'm just reviewing. Shop the pantry. Make the list. Make the menu. Sorry, I should say make the menu. While I'm making the menu, I'm writing the shopping list, making sure to add every single thing that I will need that I don't already have on hand. And then I, at the end of all of that, I think to myself, okay, now (laughs) what do I need to fill in the blanks of like, breakfasts, lunches, and snacks. And you know how, like most people have, they eat relatively the same thing for breakfast. There's not a whole lot of breakfast variety. So I'll make sure that I put eggs on the list, bacon, pancake mix. Um, I like to make salmon. It's really yummy. It's it's salmon frittata. I like to have that once or twice a month. So I'll make sure salmon, or if I have, um, sometimes I'll use canned salmon. Sometimes I'll use, um, If I plan a meal, if I plan a salmon meal, I will make extra salmon fillets and then use those for the frittata the next morning. Um, So I make sure, okay, do I have breakfasts covered as far as my shopping list? All of the basics. So I have my eggs, you know, whatever. Then I think about lunches. Okay. Typically for lunches, we, we might do sandwiches. We might do tuna salad, chicken salad, egg salad on crackers. We might have one kid who loves sardines. So I keep sardines in the house that might go on the list if I'm low. Um, usually about once a week, I'll make a big pasta salad and we'll eat off that for lunch or two. So I make sure I have all of my usual customary lunches written down. I do not plan 20 dinners, 20 lunches and 20 breakfasts. That's way too much. Okay. I just plan dinners and then lunch and breakfast and lunch, we can kind of freestyle a little bit, especially because my kids are older. We're home all the time. I let them make their own lunch most of the time. So I just try and keep all that stuff on hand. Same goes for snacks. We eat basically the same stuff for snacks all the time, fruit, granola bars, nuts, beef jerky, all that kind of stuff. And so I just check the stockpile, see how the pan is the pantry looking bare. Okay. We need more bars or we need more beef jerky or whatever. And so I add that to the shopping list and then I'm ready to shop. And once I complete my shopping, I go to Costco for the main one. And I spend, these days I spend about, we have a family of five. Okay. And none of our kids are babies. Like they're all full, full grown. Like my six year old eats a full grown person's portion of food. Um, and she's tiny. She's like a little stick. Lucky her. Um, (laughs) Once I, we spend, I go to Costco. That's where I do my biggest bulk amount of shopping. Um, 
I spend between two seventy five and three fifty. It depends on whether or not I I need a lot of meat. Right now, I'm not buying a lot of meat because I have a freezer full of meat because our friends are um, cattle farmers. And I've been buying beef from them for about 10 years. And so this year I bought half a cow. So I have a half a cow in my freezer. So I won't need, I won't need red meat for a long, long time, but chicken, sausage, um, bacon, I do still have to buy that. So depending on whether or not I'm buying a lot of meat, it's between 275 and 350. And then, um, it's usually about 75 or $80 of little knickknack here and there stuff that I need from Kroger. So if you're good at math, you will have figured out already that we spend about $450 twice a month on food. Food is flipping expensive, y'all. This is one of the things that I just, I, I think about and I can remember, of course, we were extremely poor, like poverty level <laughs> newlyweds. Thankfully, we just, we didn't, I didn't feel like we were in poverty. I mean, I didn't ever feel like, um you know, things were tight, but I wasn't, I was never stressed about money back then. Like I am now, which is just hilarious, isn't it? This perspective. But when we were brand new newlyweds, our food budget was $20 a week, a week, $20 a week there. You could not, you could not live off $20 a week now, not with any, like, not with the ability to pay attention to your health at all. I mean, for $20 a week now, what, what would that be able to buy you? I guess you could get yourself like a gallon of milk, maybe two boxes of store brand cereal, um, like 10 packets of ramen. We did eat a lot of ramen. It was not, it was not healthy food necessarily that we were eating, but anyway, you just could not do it on that much. Food is just really flipping expensive and I've just come to terms with it. And I know there are people, I know we could spend a whole lot more. That's the other thing too. I could always find money to spend on food. I can always buy more snacks. I can always buy more, you know, meat or whatever, condiments, all of it. But meal planning helps me so much to keep my budget manageable even though $450 is a crap load of money, that is what I can afford. So meal planning allows me to stay within that budget. And then because I go and I do one huge shop at Costco and then one $75 to $80, you know, I'm usually only buying like 20 items when I'm at Kroger. Um, I don't have to grocery shop again for two weeks, almost every time now. I will fuss up and admit that there are times that A, I forget to put something on the list and I realize I need like one ingredient or B, we, uh, my kids will get like an insane, um, you know, case of the munchies and they'll eat like every piece of fruit in the house in one day. (laughs) So, um, I try, I try not to limit them and be like, no, you can't have another snack. No, you can't do this. Or like, they don't really have to ask permission to have things like an apple, you know, or a bar or a beef stick. Like they know that I don't want them filling up on that, but I don't want to, I don't want to be like, no, you can't have a snack too bad. You're starving. Deal with it. Um, but there have, there, there are plenty of times where like they clean me out of fruit completely. And then I do have to make like a quick jump into the grocery store and grab some fruit. But here's the awesome part. Okay. Because I do the meal planning and because I have all the meals planned out, all the stuff is already on hand. There's no last minute running in the grocery store and getting caught by like, 
you know, all the stuff on sale at the end caps, et cetera, et cetera. Like I, it's really hard for me to imagine that I would ever be able to stay on budget if I was going to the grocery store way more frequently than I already do. And the fact that I, all of my non-perishables, I have plenty of all of that stuff. So if I'm really only running out of fruit and I'm sure probably for a lot of people, like milk would probably make the list. We don't drink milk. We can't have, we don't do milk right now because one of our kids is off dairy. But, um, you know, if you're re- if you're only running into the grocery store for milk and some fruit every other week, I mean, that is a massive time saver. You can do that. You can be in and out in like 10 minutes. Or it's super easy for me to text my husband if he happens to be at the office one day and you'd be like, hey, I need you to grab such and such at the store on the way home. So like I said at the beginning... Doing meal planning has really been the thing, the single biggest thing that has reduced stress for me. So in my book, which I'm sure you're all going to just run to purchase, right? I think it is $2.99 if I remember correctly. Um, I give you all kinds of other information, tons, 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 tons of like, well, First of all, you get way more in-depth explanation of how to do the strategy. I gave you like the quick and dirty. Um, Talks about strategizing while you're making that list. You know, I talk about how to plan your meals as far as what kind of meals to look for, where to look for meals, um, ideas for um, what things that are good for stockpiling from the grocery store, what things don't really work for stockpiling. I have one whole chapter on food storage, which I think is one of the most helpful chapters because obviously if you just bought two weeks worth of produce, you need to know how to make it last two weeks. It can be done. Lettuce will last in the fridge for two weeks. It will. If you use my top secret method, actually it's not top secret. If you Google it, lettuce in fridge. You're going to find out with lettuce, just wrap the unwashed head of lettuce or stalk of lettuce. I like romaine. So I get romaine, wrap it in foil. That's all you have to do. If you wrap that sucker up in foil, now you got to use a good bit of foil, but it's better than throwing out rotten lettuce after three days, right? Wrap that piece of lettuce up in foil completely. So you can't see any exposed lettuce to make sure you cut, you know, cut yourself a nice big long piece. If you wrap that piece of foil up, it will last 10 to 14 days guaranteed. So the book has all kinds of information about that. It has more, um, you know, details on topics or not topics, um, typical questions that people ask, but what about this? But what about this? But what about this? I got that from all of my, from doing those seminars. Like I told you, me and Justin, these seminars, I took notes of the stuff that people were asking me and I put that in the book. Um, and then the, a, a good, huge, a big, huge chunk of the book is recipes. And I have them broken up into different categories, like quick meals, 30 minutes or less. Then I have like bigger, you know, meat and three type meals or crock pot meals, freezer meals. And then I think I even have one section called too easy for excuses. Okay. So like I said, I didn't want to give you all the information. I got to keep you tantalized, right? Got to keep you interested. Um, Interested enough to go look up the book on Amazon, Putting Dinner on the Table by Lindsay Mack. Lindsay is spelled L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, Mack, M-A-C-K. 
And, you know, if you feel led to purchase it, it's $2.99. I'll consider that a compliment of the utmost um, degree. Because anytime anybody finds value in anything I have produced, it just like, it just feeds my soul because I'm an Enneagram 8. And as of this last week, I discovered that I am an ESTJ because my husband has now apparently after years and years and years of me begging him to take personality tests, he suddenly is interested in personality tests. Not because I begged him to take one, but because he re- he met some random dude. We went out um, to a little uh, art thing. It was a benefit for some, um, some group in town that does some sort of charity work. They did this, this benefit thing where for, it was $5 donation entrance fee and you got free snacks and wine. That's why I went. Um, (laughs) and there was a bunch of local artists, like 30, I think it was like 30 people came and they had 50 minutes to sit and create an original work of art. And, um, while I was wandering around watching all the artists, because I'm like an artist wannabe, um, Chris was talking to an ex-military um, intelligence officer who specialized in profiling, and he convinced Chris that personality tests are like super awesome because he profiled him right on the spot and said, you're an INFP. And Chris was like, wow, personality tests are amazing. So anyway, <laughs> I'm very sarcastic about this. As you can tell. Um, So there you have it. That is the quick, not at all um, exhaustive concordance of meal planning by yours truly. And um, I love this topic and might talk to you about it again because of the fact that I love it. But hopefully you found something that was worthwhile to listen to. Maybe you're on a budget. Maybe you just really hate cooking. Maybe you're stressed about food. Maybe your little people have worn you out. Like, well, mommy, I'm hungry. What's for dinner? What's for dinner? What's for dinner? When's dinner? I'm hungry. Um, hopefully something I said piqued your interest and, um, maybe gave you something to chew on, <laughs> but um, um, about meal planning and, you know, feel free to purchase the book or, just take the tips I gave you here and try and work them into your routine. See if it improves your life at all. And of course, obviously, if you found value in this, but maybe not enough value to go purchase the book, you can always just send me some money so that I don't have to eat at Shoney's um, or drink Shoney's coffee. That's another reason that you could do that. And you can find me at the website oddlyadulting.com. You can also find me on Instagram with the, uh, what's it called? Handle? Instagram handle, name, ID, whatever, oddly adulting. You can also email me at oddlyadulting at gmail.com. And drum roll. I have the winners of the very first giveaway to tell you. I got three entries. And because one of them is my best friend, and it seems like it would be unfair to pick her. Since, um, you know, that's like nepotism or something. I don't know. What's it called? Favoritism? Nepotism? I guess nepotism is if it's someone you're related to. We're not related, but we might as well be after all this time. My two winners of the first Oddly Adulting giveaway who will be receiving an original work of art, provided they provide me their mailing address at oddlyadulting at gmail.com, are Katie J who told me that her, uh, the odd thing about herself was that, um, she, I said back in an episode of the show a while back that I really hate sharing a bathroom 
with Chris. And she wrote to tell me that she doesn't at all hate sharing a bathroom with Danny because they have a sort of similar like bathroom use schedule. And she actually likes the fact that like the toilet seat is still warm when she goes in to do her business. So (laughs) that was 1000% oddly awesome. And so winner, winner, chicken dinner. And then the other person who um, sent in a winning odd um, contribution would be my friend Bree. And she told me, um, now I feel bad because I can't remember exactly what it was, but she gave me a whole big long list and one of them really stood out to me and I should have written it down, but I didn't. So I'll make good on that in the next episode. So Bree and Katie and Jay, y'all send me your uh, mailing addresses and um, sometime in the future, I'm not putting myself on a deadline because that's stressful, but sometime in the future, one of you will be receiving an odd duck and the other will be receiving an odd bird. And that's all I have to say about that. And now that I've spent 52 minutes talking about meal planning, which makes me probably one of the largest nerds on the face of the planet, Uh, And especially if you ask my child who just spent the last weekend with me in the presence of other teenagers where I was super in my element because as a former middle school teacher, I basically have a degree in embarrassing teenagers. Um, I'm going to go ahead and sign off. And I'm going to say that this is episode 27 of Oddly Adulting. And if you made it all the way to the end of this, I love you. And Jesus says too. Bye. Music is by Kevin McLeod. Winner, winner.